Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to a Girl Funds podcast crossover episode that features an interview with Coldwell Banker Real Estate Chief Operating Officer Liz Geringer. In this episode, Geringer discusses how she created the Women in Leadership platform at Coldwell Banker and how the program champions Coldwell's next generation of women leaders. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. We're excited to have Liz Geringer. She is a 2019 Woman of Influence, and she's also the Chief Operating Officer at Coldwell Banker Real Estate. She joined Coldwell Banker in 2018 after serving as Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer at its parent company, Realogy Holdings Corp. Her colleagues credit her for guiding affiliates through a major rebrand and fostering inclusion through the creation of the Women in Leadership platform, which is why we're excited to have you on the podcast today. So Liz, thanks for joining us. I am so happy to be here with you. Thank you. Whereas well, we're glad to have you. And through this program, Liz gives credence to female voices within the network, supporting and encouraging female broker owners and identifying and championing Colwell's next generation of female leaders. She's repeatedly expressed her commitment to ensuring that more and more women at Coldwell Bankers see a path to leadership and have the tools and training to realize their professional dreams. So we like to start off each podcast with a big, bold first question. So our question is, what is the best piece of financial advice that you've ever received? I love that question. And I think you could go in so many directions with it. But honestly, I think for me, um, someone once told me to understand my earnings, to understand you know, what they translated to. So as I was making decisions to understand, and you could do it on any basis, you could say like, what I make a day or what do I make a week or whatever it is. But just so you had this one thing that grounded you when you were making other decisions, because we make decisions like, 
what vacation should I take or what things should I buy? And this is just about, you know, planning, but it's like about staying in your reality. And I think so many people let debt run away from them or credit cards run away from them, or, you know, they, they feel like they should be able to get everything that they see, or, you know, they're not sure how that really fits. But I think if you kind of understand your earnings in a, in a practical sense, it's just easier to make good decisions. Um, I think it's particularly like something like a vacation, you know, you just, to just sort of have that, that grounding to figure out like, okay, well, I'm going into this thing with a a general plan or budget. It also can be very motivating because then you realize like, geez, I'm working so long to make this thing happen. Or, you know, I really have to do a lot to get that pair of shoes I want. It just sort of, I don't know, it gives you a meter, I think, to make some, some decisions, especially early on. That's creative. So you're almost saying, if I go on this week-long vacation to Mexico, that is costing me two weeks of income. Kind of that is your thinking there? Yeah, basically, just so you have, you know, something to sort of plan by. Um, You know, I think some people do like budgeting very seriously, but I like to just have that sort of general understanding, like how much effort am I putting into a thing? Because I, I don't think people usually look at it that way. And on the one hand, like, oh my gosh, vacation, it's like, there's no way to value it, right? You should just, you know, you really need it. Like we're all really burned out. We stayed home for a year and worked like the hardest we've ever worked, even though we're, we were all working hard to begin with. Um, But still just to have that, um, you know, that, that understanding, I think it sort of frees you up to, to live in like the right space and then keep things in balance because it's just really easy. I think, especially um, as women, there's just so much thrown at us from like a beauty product standpoint of, you know, clothing, like there are all these extra things that, you know, can look really interesting to have. You can walk through, a, you know, all these beautiful places and think like, what, you know, what should I have of this? I just like to have that, that basic understanding of um, how it fits, fits against earnings. That's a creative idea and something I think I'm going to take into my husband and I's next budget date because we just had to talk over the weekend in our two-hour car drive home from the mountains about what things we need to <laughs> implement in our budget. So I'll take that into our next round. Um, consideration. Let me know. Let me know how it plays out. Well, I like the follow-up too. That's accountability. Um, switching gears a little bit, Victoria mentioned in your bio and something that we she mentioned that we're excited to dive into. We've been able to um, really. Inf- interview female executives in the real estate industry on how they've built up this next generation of women leaders in their space. And so you created the Women in Leadership at Caldwell Banker. Can you walk us through what inspired that and also like your passion behind that project? Well, it's really interesting. It's, it's, um, at Caldwell Banker, we realized that it was important to our brand to make sure we reflected diversity and strength from just really every every person. And we, when we started looking at that, you know, I had recently joined the company, and I was surprised. I hadn't really associated myself with being a woman in business throughout my career or a woman in leadership. I was just working really hard. I wasn't really thinking about it that way. And when I got into the position and was um, in this chief operating officer role, I was amazed at how many people said to me, oh my gosh, you're a woman. Like, this is such an amazing accomplishment. You're a woman. And wow, what's it like to be a woman in leadership? And it was just really interesting because it hadn't come to me that way. I hadn't thought about it that way. And it was a real mind shift um, for me to understand that, to embrace that. It was clear to me just by the women themselves and the way they approached me about it, that it was really important. So it took me a minute to adjust, right? Because I thought I had worked hard and this felt like an achievement for me, like a, on, a, on a business level of what the position was going to be, but I hadn't really thought that it would be meaningful to other people and that that was going to give me extra responsibility. But it turns out to be like an extra joy. 
I mean, I, I have felt so incredibly supported and many men too said that's fantastic, you know, for many reasons, but also said, that's great. You're, you're the highest um, ranking executive thus far at Cobble Banker. It's like that hadn't occurred to me either. Um, but, you know, it, it, I came to see it as um, a bit of a responsibility, but it's brought me so much um, joy just because the women in the real estate business are incredibly um, supportive of each other as much as everyone's like trying to win the awards and, and do the most and be the best in all their markets. It's an incredibly supportive network of people. So to feel that sort of um, excitement around the role motivated me even more to work on women's leadership and career development programming at Cobble Banker. So those initiatives were underway, but I really felt personally interested. Um, and it was like something that the job itself was teaching me. You know, it was something that I was like seeing in the experience itself. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into a little bit more about that program. And I feel like this next question ties in, is very timely because today is actually International Women's Day. So how have you seen the program champion Coldwell's next generation of female leaders? And what lessons from this program do you think that our listeners could apply to their life? Well, we have um, a program for, it's called the Inclusive Ownership Program. And in one aspect of it is creating opportunities for women to become owners of real estate brokerages. And there are so many women in this business to begin with. There are so many agents who are um, female and also in many of the, the companies, the back end, you know, running the companies in, in jobs like mine, there are many women um, throughout the business. But um, owning a business is, you know, a wonderful thing too. The American dream and all these other uh, aspects which make it exciting. Um, but we saw that as a real opportunity, like actually having the women rise all the way to the ranks of ownership you know, that became really interesting to us. And we've seen that. So we sold a number of companies in the past year, and we intend to do the same this year to women owners. And it's just really exciting to provide them with additional um, financing and some help, but not just from a financial perspective, but also mentoring and access to um, trade groups and other programs that we think could make them successful, help from our team to just mentor them, make sure they understand the competitive market, maybe look at their commission plan, like all these different aspects that we can bring to um, help them get their business kickstarted. So it's like a year long um, kickstart program as well. So I, I, that feels meaningful to me, you know, as something that we, we have started to do. Um, and we're really excited about that. You know, we're really excited about being purposeful about growth. I want to almost like divide this into like two follow-ups to that. One of them being, you've been able to talk to so many, I think women in who are going through the program or you've helped help lead through. So we love personal stories on the podcast. So we'd love to know, and whether it's like a story on someone who went through it or a story that really impacted you that stands out. And then also I would add to that, are like, there any themes that you've seen by talking to all these women that you think is important to note, like, Hey, you've noticed a lot of women doing this and you want to encourage women this way, because by leading all this women, you've noticed X, Y, Z things. So like, what's one story that stands out. And then also like, what have you noticed by leading it? Well, um, I have, what I have loved is just the directness from the women. I think that, um, women are quick in the business setting, at least from what I've seen to tell each other what they actually need. So it's not vague or opaque. So when I first came in and met some of the women who were already owners, they were so happy to tell me what needed to be done, like what they needed from the company and what they were seeing, how they thought we could make improvements and you know what ideas they brought. I thought that was really wonderful. Um, so there were people, oh, there's so many examples, but like 
um, Candida Ellis. She's one of our, our brokers from a, um, upstate New York. And she was just so direct with me about what else she thought that we could bring. You know, they tell you their experiences and what the expectations are. I think that women who have gotten to be very successful have learned to be very direct um, and are very comfortable in their skin, you know, authenticity and, and that comfort level, just saying like, here is something that I need. What I've also seen is um, some of our newer owners, like Tina Marie Hernandez, who's one of our newer owners, the ability to balance so many businesses. It's really inspiring because uh, the women in the program don't necessarily see themselves as like one career track. Um, she has real estate investments. She has um, properties where that she um, that she has listed through Airbnb. Like she just she has to feed her creative self. She has to be doing more than one thing at a time. So I also think women tend to be very in touch with that sort of understanding. Like, well, I also need a little bit of this. I'm not just going to do this one thing. I also need a little bit of that. And they just throw all these balls in the air and do that. That's not so traditional. I feel like that's sort of a newer career thing where you can, you know, do multi multitask or, you know, multi-career. I think real estate really lends itself um, really well to that. And then I've seen other people make transitions like um, Marnie Surface comes to mind. She's someone who's made a transition from a more serious corporate environment. Um, Shelly Thomason Johnson's another person in our network. These are big names um, in the network, but they have transitioned from more serious like corporate type jobs. And I say more serious, meaning, you know, not this, not the entrepreneurial approach that brokerage can be but something coming from a more defined, big corporate background. So I've just learned so there, there's such a diversity of paths available in real estate. It is a great place for women, really for all people to grow a career. I love that conversation around leadership. I feel like I can never get tired talking about that because, you know, lately we have been talking a lot about leadership on the podcast, but something that we want to talk about is leadership and finances. So these two things are often intertwined with one another in our careers. So what do you think the personal barriers are that women often face when it comes to growing in their careers and how can they start dreaming bigger in their career goals? I love that question. I mean, they should start their day that way every every day. Someone should ask them that question in the morning. You know, I think that women in um, the larger company setting, you know, we tend to find ourselves in the same role. So if women are in HR, in IT, in finance, and in legal, it, and they're considered sort of shared services inside of a big company, um, you tend to stay in those silos. You know, women tend to stay in those. Those are not the roles that usually um, rise to the level of business leadership and certainly not to the boardroom. So there's a lot of talk about how they're in America. In particular, it's harder to get women into the boardroom. It's it, You see more growth in that area and some other places. But um, women, we need to break out into the operations roles and into the business roles in order to fill the whole business and to lead the company. You know, the company is... Um, has all these super important partners, but the business people are like separate people, right? The business people and the business people have been largely male for a long time. So that's actually a piece of advice I got from one of my mentors when I asked her how I would eventually get into a boardroom, which is a goal that I have. And she said, well, you have to get into business operations. You know, you're not going to go from being at that point, I was a lawyer. You don't go from being a lawyer to, to running the company and, and being a business leader. It was so obvious when she said it and I looked or started to look around at the functions, but I hadn't really thought about it. So I think women 
getting into business roles, asking for an assignment in business, seeing if you can transition over and, and work on something outside of those shared services functions if you're in a big company. Um, I think that's really important. If you're in the, you know, the actual business of real estate, for example, I mean, I, anyone could be listening here, right, in so many lines of work, but it's like, where's my room for growth in this? You know, you limit yourself with your personal goals. If you've decided you're going to sell eight houses this year, you might sell eight or 10. But, you know, if you say you're going to sell 50, you're like on a different path and you might actually sell 50. But it's unlikely you'd sell 50 unless you had really set your set your sights on it and tried to, you know, figure it out from there. But in real estate, there are a lot of things you can do other than just sell more. You know, it could be like your approach, new markets. You know, there's so many, so many awesome ways to grow. But I think it begins with looking at the thing and trying to figure out, am I in the right thing? Do I have the right assignment? You know, is my goal set correctly? There's so much room for growth. I mean, I think, um, I think just not seeing limits on yourself is like that first step. Two pieces of advice that recently came to me that remind me of what you just said is I was last year, I'm going to be honest, I did not hit my goal. <laughs> my New Year's resolution was to read a book a month and I didn't hit it, but I did get a great piece of advice out of it. And a friend was talking to me about, and I was telling her my goal for my New Year's resolution. And she said, why cap your goals? You should give it a range. She's like, if you only say you're going to read this, then that's all you're going to hit. And she recommended setting New Year's resolutions in a goal like, hey, try to read at, read at least five, but hey, give yourself something to aspire to. So give yourself with a, a top note of like, maybe I'll read 30, but I, love that. I didn't get one a month, but it was a really cool piece of advice that came from her about like the range, which reminded me of what you just said, like give yourself, like, don't put a cap on dreams. And I think the, um, the yearly thing is so hard. You are such a different person a year from now than yeah. you are now. We're just, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we see New Year's Eve and we feel like we have to do everything on an yeah. annual basis and we do our financial planning on an annual basis and all that. But yeah. I love to set new goals every month. And that's pretty much how I, mm-hmm. how I function, but I love the first of the month. You know, I really like a new week. I mean, yesterday I was thinking about what this week could bring in the morning. I think about what the day could bring, but I think a monthly goal is a great process. I mean, a year is a long time. So maybe it's just too long of a goal. I like the, you know, maybe we could just have new, I have said before new months Eve, and I like that concept. You know, you don't read, maybe you won't feel like reading in a year. So I don't know. Some goals are meant to be shorter term. I'll take that, that tip new months Eve. And the the other the other side of the tip that, that your kind of comment remind me of, I this is now I'm like the third person to share this. It came from a podcast that interviewed Ryan Serhant, who was actually in our industry. Um, and my third person retelling of what his tip was, was basically he spends like 15 minutes a day dreaming about what he wants to see and almost not dreaming, like writing out what he wants. So imagining like for myself, I could put down, you know, you know, I hope by the end of the year. So you kind of give yourself time and then as if it's actually happening. So it was so great to hit our new goal, being the number one podcast on iTunes today, as if it's actively happening and almost like, I guess, manifesting your dreams. And that reminds me of your second point of like doing it often. So every day he's like manifesting and dreaming rather than leaving it to like that one time in the year and every day kind of reminding himself. So what, what do I want to hit in the future? Where do I want to see myself? And let me actually like think through what that would look like in action type thing. Also, you know, we know ourselves the best, you know, if you know that you're not going to be able to read 20 or 30 minutes a day, just because you don't have that time, or you just are not going to be able to do that. 
who says that you can't listen to an audiobook? That's something that I've kind of had to pivot and do because, as you know, I like to listen to audio podcast producer. It's kind of what I'm already doing. So why not throw in a book in there? And that way I'm still reading, I'm still able to check out the book that I'm interested in. I'm still able to learn something. It's just maybe in a different form. So there's other options. Yeah, the flexibility of that. I love this flexibility, mm-hmm. you know, concept. Like some mm-hmm. you're you're sort of identifying what you need you know, what you need to feed your soul, but giving yourself some room to do it differently. And I I think one thing we're all missing probably is commuting time or travel time, you know, anything that's like different because we've been in one place for a long time, many of us. Um, And I find that driving, you know, that I miss that time of like processing. So I flew this weekend and went to a wedding and just even that airplane time, it's like tremendous how you, you think very differently on a plane when you're sort of like there for a period of time, or you have just your, you know, I'm, I mm-hmm. like paper and colored markers. I'm like there in my little happy space with, you know, my pens and paper or whatever. And I think very differently than when I do here where I can jump on my email or check on my text and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. we need the variation, I think, to be, you know, our very best at this sort of planning, whether it's like serious goal planning or just understanding what we need, like listening to ourselves a little bit. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. To hear the rest of the conversation, head over to the Girlfriends podcast, which is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily as we wrap up this week's news coverage. As always, we like to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Have a great weekend and catch everyone back here again on Monday.